Holy Father in heaven, blessed be your holy name, O Lord, for giving us the privilege of life. We are grateful to you for your kindness and your love and your mercy, which you have bestowed upon us abundantly. Thank you, Lord. We are on our way to Canaan land, and we want that by your grace, we shall be qualified to be in your kingdom. As spiritual things are spiritually discerned, Lord, we pray that you would grant to us of your spirit to equip us and strengthen us and edify us and also to qualify us that our characters may be fitted to be in the kingdom of the Lord. We pray, Father, that you help us to rightly divide the word of truth and that as we go through our devotion today, you would teach us lessons that will help our own characters to be shaped into that of Christ. Put your words in my mouth and give me grace, Lord, to speak blessings to your children. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, October 8 soar of strife whosoever will be great among you let him be your minister and whosoever will be chief among you let him be your servant matthew chapter 20 verse 26 and 27 with judas an element of antagonism was introduced among the disciples that which ruled him was the hope of selfish benefit in the worldly kingdom, which he expected Christ to establish. Though recognizing the divine power of the love of Christ, Judas did not yield to its supremacy. He continued to cherish his own judgment and opinions, his disposition to criticize and condemn. Christ's motives and movements, often so far above comprehension, above his comprehension, excited doubt and disapproval, and his own questionings and ambitions were insinuated to the disciples. Many of their contentions for supremacy, much of their dissatisfaction with Christ's methods, originated with Judas. He introduced controversies and misleading sentiments, repeating the arguments urged by the scribes and Pharisees against the claims of Christ. He would introduce texts of scripture that had no connection with the truths Christ was presenting. These texts, separated from their connection, perplexed the disciples. Yet, all this was done by Judas in such a way as to make it appear that he was conscientious. And while the disciples were searching for evidence to confirm the words of the great teacher, Judas would lead them almost imperceptibly on another track. In all that Christ said to his disciples, there was something with which, in heart, Judas disagreed. Yet, Judas made no open opposition nor seemed to question the Savior's lessons. He made no outward murmur until the time of the feast in Simon's house. When Mary anointed the Savior's feet, Judas manifested his covetous disposition. 
at the reproof from Jesus, his very spirit seemed turned to gall. Wounded pride and desire for revenge broke down the barriers, and the greed so long indulged held him in control. This will be the experience of everyone who persists in tampering with sin. The elements of depravity that are not resisted and overcome respond to Satan's temptation, and the soul is led captive at his will. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Sower of Strife, and we are looking at the character of Judas. Our devotion, Conflicts and Courage, is focused on looking at different characters in the Bible and the lessons that we can learn from them. Because the Bible tells us in the book of First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, also verse 6, that the stories in the Bible were written, especially for those of us who are living in the end of time, that we should learn lessons from them. Avoid the mistakes that, were, that was made and be encouraged and inspired by the good examples to also repeat the same goodness that we see in others. This time we are looking at an aspect of Judah's character which we are to shun and that is as the title of the devotion is the sower of strife. Judas was someone who had a detestable abominable character in the eyes of God but in the eyes of men he would pass by as a very likable person one who you can even celebrate as an academic person someone who is academia we saw yesterday how Judas was uh, one who was called a teacher of the law talking about this character of Judas sower of strife it's very important for us to value things in the same way that God values it we need to see things from God's eyes there are many sins which are out there in the open for all to see. We frown upon them, and rightly so. Even though almost all are bombarded with sexual imagery, and there seems to be a strange desire towards anything that has to do with sexual sin and the things that surround it, yet it is still the case that as much as many of us can relate with this matter of sexual sin, those who fall into sexual sin along with those guilty of murder, those two sins, those people seem to have the least sympathy among all humans. But when the Lord lists out the things which he considers at the top list of the sins he hates the most, of course, all sins are hateful to God, including the sexual sins. But I'm referring to what God referred to as the seven abominations. These sins in the seven abominations are things we should take note of all sins hateful to God but they are not all viewed by him to be all on the same degree in God's list surprisingly we do not find there at least one of sexual sin but of course there's murder and following murder are other things that the Lord detests let's look at it God will direct our minds to things far more heinous and sinister in their effect and he says in the book of Proverbs chapter 6 verse 16 to 19 these 16s doth the Lord hate yea seven are an abomination unto him a proud look a lying tongue and hands that shed innocent blood and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations feet that be swift 
in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. Remember, the title of our devotion is Sower of Strife. And here, among the seven abominations, we see one of it which the Lord hates, sowing discord among brethren. If we take a close look at these seven abominations, we find out that the majority of them are surrounding the art of deception. We see it repeated in different ways. When the Lord says, a lying tongue, that's deception. And heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, there's a lot of deception in that too. A false witness that speaketh lies, there's deception in that. He that soweth discord among brethren, it's all surrounding that word deception. At least these four sins are very related, especially a lying tongue and a false witness that speaketh lies. You are hearing seven abominations and in them you hear lying tongue, false witness that speaketh lies. Yes, they could easily be the same thing. But the fact that God repeats sins of the same hue at least four times and calls them things that he hates greatly and brands them as abominations shows us that this is a very serious matter to him. Why are these sins that the Lord hates? Why did he call them abominations? It may be difficult for one to understand, but when you have been a victim of these particular things, these seven things, and when you have seen the power of lies and how difficult it is to overcome, and how it is that lies can be used to turn the most innocent saint into the worst sinner, then maybe you will understand why the Lord hates these sins that he listed here. If you, like God, have been a victim of having your own friends alienated from you because of one who whispered evil and lies or misrepresented your actions and words to them, you will perhaps understand why this sin is so grievous and terrible. Many churches, ministries, organizations have been broken apart and destroyed because of the sower of strife, because of lies, because of hearts that deviseth wicked imaginations. Many lives have been destroyed forever because of lies. There are many today who are sworn enemies. They will never ever see eye to eye because of the sower of strife. And then there are still others who, even though they have once believed a lie about their brethren, but later found the truth. Yet, after finding out the truth, there is still the lingering effect of the lies. There is that suspicion, mistrust, because of sowing of discord. The relationship seems to be hopelessly marred and never returns to its original state because of the sower of strife. Satan was the first person who began this work. When the Lord lists out these sins he hates, he says it both from principle and experience. In heaven, the work of sowing strife began with Satan, as by the multitude of his traffic, he caused a third of the angels in heaven to be lost forever. Satan perfected the art of lying, mischief, bearing false witness, and also sowing discord among brethren and even murder. Jesus says he was a murderer from the beginning. He also devised wicked imaginations. You see these seven sins? That was what brought about the fall of Satan and the fall of the angels that fell along with him. To lie, for example, would be to say things that are not true. And this Satan did in heaven. But to bear false witness will be to speak a lie about that which you actually witnessed, you saw. 
Satan was in the presence of God as a covering cherub and he used this to his advantage. Thoughts that were never in the mind of the holy angels, through adroit quizzing and dropping of suggestions and hints here and there, he brought them to a place of suspicion and doubting God. He brought these thoughts to their minds and left them to tinker in their mind, the minds of these angels. Then, since he was revered by the angels as the wisest and the most glorious, you can see that in the book of Ezekiel 28, since he was revered as the wisest and the one closest to God, he also used this privilege to bear false witness by speaking lies about what he saw in the presence of God. Then, he proceeded in the work of sowing discord among the angels of God in such a cunning way. He would ask questions or make comments as though he was thinking out loud. But these comments would linger in the mind of the angels of God and they were well calculated to lead in a direction that would make them begin to question God's motives in the way he handled the government of heaven. Angels who were once reverent, loyal and humble towards God become bold, rebellious towards authority, stubborn and disrespectful towards their maker. He would make comments that would make them begin to question the law of God the foundation of his government and then he made them think that all they were thinking was their own thoughts when in reality he was the one who was directing the minds in that direction he had such great power over the minds and was much wiser than them that he made them question their maker and believe that all god's acts of love were actually acts of selfishness by believing this lie the once loyal, loving and holy angels made war against their maker, but were eventually banished. God knew that they were deceived and would have received them back even though he banished them. If they had repented, he would have taken them back. But Satan, taking advantage of his closeness to God, continued to sow strife and bore false witness. He told them that based on what he knew about God, they had crossed the line and were beyond mercy and they had gone too far to be forgiven. He was determined that if he must go down, he will not go down alone. Those angels must go down with him. He is guilty of the blood of these angels. Today these angels who were once holy, loving and lovable are now the ones who are demons tormenting men and irreconcilably against the kingdom of God. I have found that lies are the most potent of tools of Satan. Sowing discord and alienating friends is his work and if we are not shielded from this, we will fall victims of it. Jesus came down to this earth and Satan was determined to use the same tool to do the same work which he did in heaven once again. He had chosen a vessel for this work. Enter in Judas Iscariot. Among the disciples, he, like Satan, was the wisest and most educated. As we saw yesterday, he is described as a teacher of the law. So the other disciples saw him as the next in charge, sort of after Jesus when it comes to knowledge or spiritual matters or knowledge of the law of the Lord. Through Judas, Satan had the opportunity to undermine the authority of Jesus and he intended to use the same methods and skills he used while in heaven. He would try to sow strife among the disciples of Jesus and alienate them against Jesus. On earth, he was more restricted because he was not dealing with the people who did not understand the need for the law. So he resorted to more careful and sly techniques with Judas as his chosen vessel. In their relationship, 
in the relationship of Judas and Jesus, we learn how to deal with deceivers and traitors among us. Jesus was in a continuous silent battle with Judas. It was like a cold war. Not that he waged a war against him openly, but Judas was always seeking to undermine Jesus in very subtle and secret ways. But Jesus is the truth and the truth cannot be undermined. No matter how Judas tried to sow strife among the disciples and undermine Jesus' authority by challenging his views in a manner akin to that displayed by Satan in the Garden of Eden when he spoke to Eve, Jesus always was victorious over Judas because he was on the side of truth. Now, learn some lessons from Jesus. Jesus did not confront Judas openly for sowing discord among the disciples because it would seem as if he was laying a false accusation against Judas. The other disciples revered Judas and didn't have the intelligence or see through the pretense of Judas. So, if Jesus had revealed Judas' true motives, it would have seemed very demeaning to Jesus and Judas will make it look like he was falsely accused and alienate the other disciples from Jesus. It will lead to the disciples taking sides like the angels in heaven did. In the book of Proverbs 26 verse 18 to 21, we read something that will help us to understand how to deal with things like this. The Bible says, As a madman who casted firebrands, arrows, and death, so is the man that deceived his neighbor and said, I'm not I in sport. In other words, I was just joking. Verse 20, Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So, where there is no tail-bearer, the strife ceaseth. As coals are to burning coals, and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. And that is Judas. Contentious man, and he was always kindling strife. We hear of the disciples arguing at a time, vehemently, over who was going to be the greatest. Judas was the one who brought about that strife. The book of Proverbs 17 verse 9 says, He that covereth his transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth a matter separated very friends. And that's how Judas would always want to repeat certain things and bring to the minds of the disciples things that Jesus has said that he disagrees with. But he won't say it openly to Jesus, but privately. I pity the person who was Judas' partner. We'll talk about that um, later. You see, as Satan brought in Judas into the ministry of Jesus, we can be sure that he who did this to Jesus is also seeking to bring in an antagonistic element into the work of those who sincerely want to serve God today. As the workers of God are planning on how to make the course of truth to be advanced on the earth, Satan is laying plans to bring in that antagonistic element of Judas among them and they must beware of this and do not make any mistake. If you do not place yourself on guard, you could very well be, and I also could very well be, a Judas. So don't be looking left and right and asking, who is it, Lord? It could be you. Unless we place ourselves on guard and we do not have that pride of Judas and that desire for supremacy which he had. So, let us learn the manner in which Judas operated so we can know how to protect ourselves from such characters. When we begin to cherish the feeling that we are not appreciated sufficiently or that we are to be in the highest position or will not yield to the supremacy of those who are in charge or in positions of authority, well, sometimes when you are in such places, I'm not talking about the matter of truth and error now. 
It could be that you are somewhere like Jesus was in Jerusalem and he had these high priests who were not in harmony with the truth. What did Jesus do? He didn't go to challenge them. He went about his way doing his own ministry. Not going into the synagogues and challenging them all the time. He went about his way and doing what he wants to do. They were the ones who came and were following him all about. Trying to always undermine him and question him and make it look like he didn't know what he was doing. But as for Jesus, you don't see him going into the uh, synagogues and telling the people, I want to be with you and all of that. For me, I think Judas was terrible in this thing that he did if he knew that he didn't like what jesus was teaching and he wanted to be on par with jesus and you see that what he is saying you don't like it then the best thing for him would have been to leave jesus was the person in a position of authority the best thing would be for judas to leave and not to remain there trying to undermine the authority of jesus or for us anywhere that you see somebody is in charge of something i'm not talking about whether the person is being right or wrong that's not the issue here but just to respect the authority and just like jesus did leave them let them do what they're doing concerning judas we read in the book conflict and courage page 287 paragraph 2 though recognizing the divine power of the love of christ judas did not yield to its supremacy he continued to cherish his own judgment and opinions, his disposition to criticize and condemn. Christ's motives and movements, often so far above his comprehension, excited doubt and disapproval, and his own questionings and ambitions were insinuated to the disciples. Many of their contentions for supremacy, much of their dissatisfaction with Christ's methods, originated with Judas end of quote and when we go subsequently in the devotion you will see there were times when Jesus' disciples if not that Jesus was praying for them they would have broken off from him they would have done things that because someone Judas sowed strife in their minds for example when he fed 5,000 which we will look at later they wanted to do something to Jesus that the disciples which was instigated by him to make Jesus king and because Jesus didn't agree they were offended with jesus and the disciples were actually offended with him other times we were discussing who's going to be the greatest this same question was brought up by none other than judas peter was not around that time but the, the question came up the bible says who's going to be the greatest judas was the one who brought these questions up he was always sowing seeds of strife and like we saw just now when jesus does things that were beyond his comprehension instead of trusting that jesus knew what he was doing he would start showing his disapproval secretly telling disciples this thing he did here is it's not right it would have been better he did this or did that and we make it look like jesus is just one mere man who is prone to errors and has his management his management style was not good see what we learn from here is that we are not to manifest the same character in god's church if we choose to we can make a mountain out of a molehill like judas we can call that which is even the best act of another and cloak it with the most sinister motives we can claim that it is pride which actuates those who do good or say that they have selfish motives so let us go step by step to see some of the things that he did so that we will not repeat these mistakes one of the things we read in conflict and courage page 287 paragraph 3 says he introduced controversies and misleading sentiments repeating the arguments urged by the scribes and pharisees against the claims of christ i have seen 
people do this sometimes. They just go to you to the internet to search for objections against the Bible or against the spirit of prophecy. They will not bring up things to strengthen faith. They will always bring up this particular part that shows inconsistency in the Bible, bring up questions and try to make it look like there's something that's a problem in the word of God. This controversies and misleading sentiments is what um, Judas was doing to the disciples and we must be careful not to allow such things in our lives and not to also do such things because Judas versus Jesus is humans versus the truth how do you treat the truth Jesus is the truth let's not look at it like oh the man Jesus but Jesus is a representation of the truth how do you treat the truth the word of God the Bible do you introduce controversies and misleading sentiments that contradict the Bible that is what Judas was doing. Again, he says he would introduce texts of scripture that had no connection with the truths Christ was presenting. These texts, separated from their connection, perplexed the disciples. Yet all this was done by Judas in such a way as to make it appear that he was conscientious. And while the disciples were searching for evidence to confirm the words of the great teacher, Judas would lead them almost imperceptibly on another track this is wicked imagination here so the people are about to know the truth and he will just come to distract them so that they will not find it out this man was actuated by satan from the word go and again he says in all that christ said to his disciples there was something with which in heart judas disagreed end of quote i wouldn't need to elaborate on this character but we must take note of it if we have such characters in our lives. Maybe you go to a church or you go to a program or even in your office. Because of envy, you always want to find a fault in someone else who you think is your competition. And like Judas, when there is any good thing to say about that person, you will not want people to find it out. When Jesus was teaching and the disciples are about to find out and see from the scriptures to confirm what Jesus was saying, he will lead them to another track. And then, the methods that Jesus was using, he will always question it. And anything Jesus says, there's always something which he disagreed with. In the offices, in the churches, in ministries, we must be careful that we do not allow pride and desire for supremacy and desire for exaltation to, do, to lead us to have this character of Judas. It is dirty. It is wicked. This is what the Lord says that he hates. He calls it an abomination. Because... The results of it can lead many astray. Friends can be separated because of this sowing of strife. Many have been separated. Many people have become enemies, hating themselves because of sowing strife. And that's what Judas was doing. Now that we have gone through this thing that Judas did, we need to examine ourselves. If we have not played the part of Judas before, what was Judas actually coming against? He was doing all this against the truth. It was the truth he hated. It was the truth he was questioning and criticizing. It was the truth that he was doubting. He brought the tradition of the Pharisees against the truth. Whenever the truth comes, he will bring up what the scribes and Pharisees say. He repeated the teachings of the Pharisees against the truth. Why was Judas like this? If he knew he wasn't ready to submit to Christ's supremacy, then why did he come close to him at all why because he was being led by satan 
Apart from his love for money, Judas had another satanic trait of character. It was the character of being full of himself. He felt himself in no need of correction. He was proud. Since he was a teacher of the law, he must prove himself to be studied. But when his understanding of the scriptures was not in harmony with that of Jesus, instead of changing his views, he would maintain them because a proud man cannot admit his wrong. He was the type who was proud of his intelligence, which he thought he had. Some people are like this today. They cannot come to a place and settle to be led or controlled. You go to any office, go to any church, oh, you want to be at the helm of affairs. That's how Judas was. Some people always want to be on the top and cannot bear to receive direction and instruction from anyone. They want to elbow themselves into recognition. You just go to a new environment, the next thing, they are on top of everything. They want to show themselves on top, the leader of that place. Judas' way of showing this was not by outrightly disobeying Jesus' instructions and teachings, but by questioning them behind his back. Let us beware of the spirit of Judas. Judas was unsuccessful because of the way Jesus handled his case. Jesus understood his pride would be touched if he was rebuked openly, and Judas would seize the opportunity to go about sowing greater discord if he did that, as if Jesus rebuked him. So he always, Jesus always spoke indirectly to him. There was a time when Jesus thought about covetousness. Judas's case was being addressed there. When you look at the book of Luke chapter 14, from verse 7 to 11, it says, Jesus gave this parable. He said, it says, And he put forth a parable to those who were bidding, when he marked how they chose out the chief rooms, saying unto them, When thou art bidding of any man to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room, lest a more honorable man than thou be bidding of him. And he that bade thee and him come and say to thee, Give this man place, and thou begin with shame to take the lowest room. But when thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room, that when he that bade thee cometh, he may say unto thee, Friend, go up higher. Then shalt thou have worship in the presence of him, of them that sit at meat with thee. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Can you imagine how Judas must have felt when he was hearing this parable from Jesus? He must have been looking at Jesus and knowing this man is reading my heart. He knows that I have that desire for supremacy. He knows that I want to be on top. And he's saying these things. But Judas, even though he was seeing the evidence of divinity in Jesus, he would not still submit. Reading from the book Evangelism, page 102, paragraph 3, it says, Strive for supremacy makes manifest a spirit that, if cherished, will eventually shut out from the kingdom of God those who cherish it. The peace of Christ cannot dwell in the mind and heart of a workman who criticizes and finds fault with another workman simply because the other does not practice the methods he thinks best or because he feels that he is not appreciated. The Lord never blesses him who criticizes and accuses his brethren, for this is Satan's work. End of quote. My brethren and my sisters, the Lord wants to remove from our lives this character of Judas, the love for supremacy, the love to be exalted, and the sowing of strife that results from that desire. Have you ever done that to people out of vengeance or because you 
maybe some people don't even understand themselves. They don't know, they don't know why they do the things they do going to sow seeds of discord against someone why because the person didn't do the things that they wanted or they are questioning the person's authority or methods of doing things and you just go about sowing discord we must have done things like this in our lives the lord is bringing this aspect of judas's character to us today so that we can confess our sins examine ourselves and repent don't be like judas or feeling like it's not referring to me or you don't want to make a change we need to humble ourselves and repent of our sins and the Lord will give us the grace to change this character. You know, Jesus didn't have this character. The, the book of uh, Philippians chapter 2, reading from verse 1 to 5, tells us the kind of mindset we should have towards one another. Instead of having this desire for supremacy, striving to be exalted above our brethren, we are rather told that we should have the mind of Christ, that we should look at others as better than ourselves. If there is something better, give it to your brethren, not even to yourself. Desire for the exaltation of your brethren. In that way, you will not see any reason to sow strife among brethren. It is the, the root of this sowing of strife, part of it is the desire for self-exaltation. That's what leads to it. People who just so strive, they don't just so strive because they love it. They want to bring another person down. They want to scatter so that they can come on top. That's the reason. It's that competitive spirit, that desire for, for supremacy. That's what leads to sowing strife. It's what led to Satan sowing strife. He said he wanted to be like God. That was how he said it, to lie, to bear false witness, and to sow seed of discord among the angels. It comes from that pride. So we need to deal with that striving for supremacy, that desire to elbow ourselves into recognition and to be on top. Jesus left all heaven and its glories to come down here so that we can be, go up. He made himself poor that we may be rich. He died that we may live. That thing that you are chasing after, Jesus left it so that you can have it. If we must have the character of Christ, we are not to be struggling and striving against our brethren to be up on top of them. Rather, we should be sacrificing to bring them up, to raise them up, to make them rich in faith. And even if we are poor, we will not have a problem with it because that is the character of Christ in us. And this is what we should be contemplating in our minds, repenting of our sins and bringing in the character of Christ into us. And I pray that these words will enter into our minds and bring about a change, inspire a change in us. Let us pray. Thank you, dear Father, for the words which you have spoken to us today. Forgive us our sins for criticism, for sowing strife among brethren, for lying, for false witness for that desire for self-exaltation and supremacy. Forgive us, Lord. Help us, Lord, and give us the mind of Christ, who taught it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and desired for us to be saved, even though he is lost. Please, Lord, help us to have this character. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.